The state budget situation worsens. Mixed results for local tax issues, and John Kasich puts a toe in the water. These topics and more this week on Columbus on the Record. From the Battelle Studio at WOSU at COSI, this is Columbus on the Record, WOSU-TV's weekly analysis of the top stories affecting Central Ohio. Joining Mike Thompson this week, Bill Cohen, State House reporter for Ohio Public Radio. Julie Carr-Smythe, State House reporter for the Associated Press. Sam Gresham of Common Cause Ohio, and Michael Miller, attorney and former Franklin County prosecutor. Welcome to Columbus on the Record. State officials knew tax revenues were down. They just underestimated how far they would fall. The Strickland administration this week announced April income tax revenues went in the tank, 22% less than what was expected. The result, with just two months to go this fiscal year, the state faces up to a nearly $1 billion deficit. There is a cushion, the rainy day fund, to help balance the budget. The problem is, state officials plan to use that money to pay next year's bills. Julie Carr-Smythe, how could the estimates be off by so much? I think that it was not, uh, well, it was not necessarily optimism on the part of the administration as much as we experienced uh, worse economic, uh, I guess, downturn in effects than we expected. For example, in this last Ohio poll that came out this week, I think it's one in three Ohioans knows someone who was affected by a layoff. I just, yeah. as the budget director said, I mean, nobody predicted it would be as bad as it was. But wouldn't we have had a worst case, best case scenario? You know, they, they already did. They had a, what they thought was going to be their worst case scenario, which was going to be 25% cuts. Uh, I don't believe that the governor's budget actually went that far when he proposed it. So that is, I guess, if you want to call that a cushion. I mean, I think a lot of the agencies are cut to about 10%. Now we may have to see 25% cuts. Is it they're going to raid the rainy day fund before they make any, any more cuts? I mean, they really can't make any cuts. There's only two months left. Right. Right. They're going to have to because uh, this is just immediate need and our, our fiscal year ends uh, the end of June. And so they're going to have to do that. And with everything that's been uh, already discussed about federal stimulus dollars and, and the uh, increased spending of the House uh, in its version of the budget over what Strickland originally proposed, I mean, the cut is going to be pretty significant in the Senate. The Senate Republicans, they now have the budget, and they are really upset because they face a, a Herculean task of getting the new two-year budget uh, back in the black, and they uh, put the state budget director on the hot seat all this week uh, saying, look, you knew that you had a big problem in April. Why didn't you tell the House Democrats uh, when about a week ago they passed a version of the budget that spent $622 million more than what the governor was spending. Did you tell the Senate, the uh, House Democrats? Well, the budget director said, we did know a day before they voted that we were having big problems, a significant problem, she said, but we didn't know the exact amount because we still had three more days of those tax returns to come in. So uh, still the Republicans say, well, even though you didn't know the exact amount, why didn't you warn the House Democrats? We've been warning the House Democrats, they said. The Republicans might feel like they're, they're having to play the role of the bad guys because the Governor has presented his budget with minimal cuts, House Democrats minimal cuts. Now the Republicans are left with all the information now and they have to cut the budget. I think that's exactly right. That's why they're upset. They're, they're going to be looked at as the bad person and uh, uh, they don't like that. And, and I don't blame them. Uh, the response, as Bill was talking about, they said, well, we're waiting for the, the last three days. And apparently last year they did have uh, 
a fair, fairly significant upbeat towards the end of April, and they were hoping for this, but it sounds like it was pretty much like the Tooth Fairy. Uh, it's not really going to come. Remember, though, that, I mean, the, the Republican Senate generally plays this role <coughs> anyway, even when right. Republicans were in charge of the right. House. Uh, they have to do the, the tough cutting because that this is when the revenue projections come in, right between generally the houses, and then we're going to have another adjustment before it goes to the conference but committee. If you were a Democrat, what better scenario could you ask for? Uh, yeah, and, and to not have to have cut and given it to the Republicans. The thing that's bothering me, these are real dollars, these are real people. These are real situations. Playing politics with it is not a good idea right now. I mean, I, I, I don't think people realize how close or how fragile our economic situation is. And we can go off the ledge at any moment here if we don't do these things right. It also requires us to think of something else. Are we cutting to survive or are we investing? Are we cutting to survive or investing the growth? And I think we have to think about that. You know, all these, these interest groups for the libraries, the mentally ill, uh, the drug treatment programs, the food banks, they went to the House and said, we need more money. And the House said, okay, here's more money. But it seemed like a lot of folks knew that it wasn't real money. It was and yet all, money, the, huh? all the advocates were applauding, but I, I'm not, I don't quite understand it because they must have known that all that money may not have been there. Well, and I do think that you, Sam, get right to the point of perhaps what's going on inside the administration. You want to talk about uh, the ability of this economy to rebound. You want to get some sort of uh, interest going in investing in the economy and mm -hmm. consumer spending and that kind of thing. And so maybe they were trying to be cautious in, yeah. in when they let that information out, and maybe they were way too cautious this time. Mm. This means for next year's, next two years' budget, they estimates of a $3 billion hole that they have to plug. They've already cut some things out of the next biennium's budget. Can they do this without some new revenue? Can they, can they do a budget for the next two years without some kind of new taxes, gambling revenue? They've raised just about every fee they can. I'm not sure there's any fees left. Well, where's the resource? Where, where, where can you get that? I mean, unemployment is at, at a high rate. People are not buying things. Where do you get the, you, unless you absolutely raise the rates, and the dollar amounts stay stable, that's the only way mm -hmm. you're going to do it. And I don't think that's a very popular thing to do right now. Well, Governor says he's not raising taxes, and uh, he's still adamantly opposed to any form of gambling. Uh, I say any form, almost any form. Uh, and I don't think he's going to come off that. Uh, he gave on Keno last time. He gave around. on Keno last time, which has not been particularly successful. Did no. not uh, bring in what they thought it would. Well, and yeah. he, yeah, he has boxed himself in on uh, the lottery commission. I'm sorry, not the lottery commission. The horse racing commission came out with a legal memo that said we think you can add uh, racetrack slots and be within your within your administrative power. You don't have to go to the people. And Strickland has already said. I won't do that. I don't think that that's what the people want, um, which would have been a, a nuance that he could have gone with and not really backpedaled. The Ohio poll released Friday says that 60% of Ohioans support gambling, which is all, from what I read, it's always been the level of support arbitrarily is 60% support more casinos. When it goes to the ballot, it gets whacked. Might he be able to use those numbers to say, okay, let's, let's expand gambling a little bit. It's better than a tax hike. Yeah, but when you really look behind those numbers, you have 27 people, 27% who ardently oppose it. You have an 11% that 
that somewhat oppose it, and the total number who's opposing is 38% and probably growing if you get into a war campaign. I think what the people on, on the casino have done very strategically this time, they have multiple sites for the casinos. That brings more people into the, the fray and the competition where they potentially may get some. I think that's what it, it puts those poll numbers where they're at now. But when you get into a fight, 48%, I mean 38% at the get-go are not for you, and that 60%, 23% of that is not all, so, it's not hard. I don't think this is the done deal yet. And it's pretty hard after voters have said no four times mm -hmm. to have state government without having a vote of the people push through a gambling proposal. So I think the best thing they can hope for is to put it on the ballot and see if it see if it passes. And all the newspapers will oppose it, and uh, we'll have the same things as we've had the other four times. And it really hasn't come close any of those times. And, and I don't. I think the same thing will happen again. I think it has an interesting history. There's been plenty of promise and possibilities with gambling, but it has never lived up to its its lofty expectations. Nowhere in the country has it lived up to what it's going to do for these those communities economically. I agree. Okay. The tax mood of central Ohioans is tough to read after this week's elections. Voters approved higher taxes for metro parks and some school districts, but other school districts and the Upper Arlington Library tax issues went down to defeat. Sam Gresham, can we read anything from this vote into how well, how well the city income tax hike will fare and how, to how welcoming people might be for state tax hike? I think the overall mindset of people right now, I cannot put another dime anyplace else. And for those people who are having money, they're holding on to it. So you have a mindset you have to fight. Now there's another way of turning around. Are we investing or are we surviving? And that's the message I talked about earlier. I don't think we're going to get out of this without making some serious investments and improving the capacity of the state of Ohio to do certain things. Educational center, technical centers, resource development. I think we have to do those types of things. But I don't think it's the mindset of the people, and I think it's reflected in what happened to the school system. Most people really cherish Bobby and Johnny and their kids, and they're willing to put some money up. Um, what is it, 77 out of the 83 renewal levies passed? Mm -hmm. um, but the new levies uh, in Reynoldsburg, uh, Groveport, and uh, the Southwestern schools didn't do well at all. But I think there's a corollary to that. In comparison to um, some of the other communities, the net wealth is a little different in those communities versus the communities that had the renewals. Yeah, 50% success rate for school levies in, in Franklin County. Uh, Reynoldsburg, talking to somebody from that area, they said that it was such a huge amount. Right. They, they, they seemed like they overreached, perhaps Upper Arlington overreached. Is that the lesson? Go for a minimal amount, what you need, and the voters might, might buy into that? I think there is a practical element to it, something like the parks. Right now people realize I'm not going to be able to afford a big edu uh, big vacation this year and so, you know, I'm using the parks a lot more. Maybe they have a willingness to, you know, support that kind of recreation. And so I think there's a practical uh, pattern there in terms of what people are willing to accept. You know, the Columbus schools passed their levy last year and, and the economy was already sinking fast. I was surprised that that passed. And, uh, you know, it, this, is the, this is the one tax Ohioans have where they can vote on it, and sometimes they take advantage to express their frustration. But the fact that Columbus passed its levy, the Metro Parks levy passing, um, you never know. I think sometimes the voters surprise us. We think they're going to vote no on it virtually every tax hike, and they don't. That's what, when you read the reactions as to why did your levy fail, 
they, well, the losers always say, well, we lost because the economy is in the dumps. Well, the economy is not a whole lot different between, you know, Canal Winchester and the Southwest City School District, but one area won and one area lost. So it's not just the economy, it's what the school systems are doing, right, Mike? Well, I guess right. In the school systems, you look, you look in the past a few years ago when the economy was much better, many school systems have always had a tough time, and these things are, and they'll pass, they'll fail repeatedly. They'll put them on two, three times in a row and lose. So I don't think that is just, uh, that, that's the only reason at all, although I think it certainly had a, had a say in some people's votes. I think Sam's right, but just some people that say, I, I just can't put any more into it, and, and I have to vote no. You know, there's another pattern, too, though, where you've had multiple attempts, and the atmosphere of the campaign was threatening. Where we're going to cut this, we're going to cut that, rather than building up. And I think two of the communities that we're talking about might fall into this category where they've had multiple attempts. And it wasn't a positive campaign. It was a threatening campaign. And I think people responded. I also think you're right. In some people's minds, there's a progressive buildup. And I think a couple of these communities overreached. You know, people said, I can't do that. $254 per 100000 Some people said, I can't, I can't do that. Yeah. Upper Arlington is a case, I think, where perhaps they overreached. I mean, the Upper Arlington, affluent community, a lot of academics, a lot of folks from Ohio State live there. The libraries lost 70-30. I mean, that just that stunned me that there was, it wasn't even close. So that's really a, a rebuke of their, their well, tax Mike was fund. saying earlier there's a little leakage. They're going to put fireplaces and coffee shops in? Well, that was, that was, <laughs> it, was, it was a very small percentage of the overall budget for the project, but the, the opponents latched onto that as symbolic of excess in these times anyway. Given that some school levies have success, does that bode well for a statewide sales tax increase for schools if the campaign is done right? I haven't seen anybody proposing that recently, and since you know Strickland says he's against any major tax hike. Uh, uh, now remember, we tried this in 1998 with a lot of the main movers and shakers for it. You know, let's have a penny tax hike for schools uh, and also lower property taxes. So they had mm -hmm. that, that incentive and that lost four to one. Mm -hmm. uh, that was in 1998. Remember, that was economic boom times. Yeah. We all had extra cash. This is bad times. I think it's, I think it's a tough sell. It's still local, local, local on the levies anyway. I would, I would say I would, that maybe some people are holding back because this huge education reform plan is coming through. However, we had another poll this week that showed that uh, hardly anyone even knows about it, which makes us journalists feel really great that That's we're spending all, all, all these <laughs> all this time on it. But you know, so many people don't aren't aware. But there may be a factor in that too that people are just saying, "Let's just bide our time and see." Mm -hmm. We'll see if we can help with that. Topic three: Now <laughs> that the education funding reform plan has left the friendly confines of the Ohio House and moved to the Republican Senate, Governor Strickland seems to be stepping up his campaign for the plan. He spoke at the Columbus Metropolitan Club this week, and lawmakers and he said, "If lawmakers fail to reform the public school system, they will have sinned against their children and grandchildren." He also compared it to John Kennedy's challenge to put a man on the moon and return him safely to Earth. That begs the question, Bill Cohen, which is harder, reforming Ohio schools or putting a man on the moon? Uh, the schools, <laughs> obviously, obviously, because we did the moon thing. That was pretty, <laughs> we did that in 10 years or so, and this thing has been dragging on for almost 20 years. 
yeah. uh, with court suits and everything. So I think that proves it. Yeah, uh, the governor's having a tough time. He's got all the major education groups, you know, in back of them, the school boards, the teacher unions, that's to be expected. But average folks, as you pointed out, 60%, a poll shows 60% of Ohioans know nothing or little about his proposal. A new independent poll finds only 31% of Ohioans believe his plan will improve education. So I think it's, it's hard to get average folks to, to understand the proposal, uh, to be interested in it. It's just, it's very tough. Well, and I found very interesting in this poll, fewer uh, people now say they understand the plan than they did the last time they took the poll. So I think that it's getting muddier for people as the details are uh, somewhat questionable. I mean, there's some easy things to understand. Oh, he wants to add 20 days to the school year. He wants a longer school day. Uh, okay, wants the state to pick up an increasing share of school funding, a little bit lower property taxes, that's, and better teacher training. But when you start to get into the millage and everything, everybody's eyes glaze, glaze over. I'm a biased member, as you know, I'm part of a group who came out uh, on a moral issue for the schools. And what we don't want to happen is to deteriorate into big P politics and that the educational content and some of the programming is lost. I think that would be a, a major problem. Most people are expecting that, though. The scenario that we painted earlier, move from the House, the governor, to the Senate, they whack it, it bounces back like a tennis ball. That's the one thing people don't want. No, can we find a middle ground where we can give people a sense of confidence that our government is functioning properly? Can we do that? Mike, where might the middle ground be? as you look at this. Is well, there a middle ground? Well, I, I think one thing before we get to a middle ground or what we're going to do and all that is where is the money? I mean, is the money there? Uh, regardless of who, uh, what people want and, and these same polls, I mean, everybody, I, I don't suppose I know of anybody that's against good schools and so forth that would like to have them, but people don't want their taxes raised and, and we're in a financial crunch now and cuts have to go somewhere and it's always if it's me, you know, protect my interests and cut this guy and this guy, and I don't know that the money is anywhere near there for the program as it currently exists. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like it's a, a massive problem. Yeah, and interestingly, the House version of the budget cuts the state's portion of the education plan, so save some money there. And the other th strategy they're using is they're deferring almost all of the expensive stuff into future years. So they're going to have Deb Delisle, the state superintendent, study things and analyze things and write rules during this two years and then be ready to hit the ground if the economy So they, so they can, these current guys can take credit for, oh, we reformed everything, but the heavy lifting is all yeah. on future legislatures and who know if, if they're going to do it. But isn't it impossible to try to do this in just two years? Isn't it going to have to take place over, over a 10-year period, like putting a man on the moon? Eight to 10 years, it's mm -hmm. going to take that amount of time. But, but you still have, a, have to have a commitment from a group of people from across the aisle to actually do it. Mike's right. There's a place where the money has to come from and the petty politics need to be put to the side. I mean, I don't think we survive as a state by simply surviving. I think we have to invest in order to grow. Now, where do you get that money to invest and what do you invest in? I think education, technology, uh, resource centers, developing the state is an important investment. I don't see that as a bad way to spend the money, but until we find a way to stop paying petty politics, what do we have? Through this campaign and through his effort, he seems to be working hard. Does he have enough political cover to get away from his I'll fix the schools pledge that he made when he was running for governor? 
He has been consistently uh, very popular in the polls, yes, as is. bad as time gets, as bad as his, his times get if, if he hits a snag. It seems to stay pretty steady. It, it goes, it's well above 50%, maybe it's around 56% right now, which mm -hmm. is a very bad time. It's been up in the mid-60s. So uh, I, I don't know that if people aren't paying attention to Lucian, then I doubt that they're going to pay attention to whether he solves it in re-electing him. Even though he himself said, you know, I should be judged on whether I get school reform, I don't think the average citizen is going to judge him on that. The average citizen is judging him on whether or not the unemployment rate is going up or down, tax revenues are coming in or not. It's the economy. I think right. that's the, the real fact. The economy is stupid. I, I yeah. agree with that. And if we're talking a $3 billion, did somebody say, deficit for yeah. uh, coming up the next two years? Uh, uh, obviously, uh, I, I'm sure people will try and blame him for it, but I think most people are going to say it's all over the country, and and the money's not there, and you can't fix something without the money. So I think he's got enough cover; he's fine. Okay, it's still a ways off, but jockeying for the 2010 statewide races continues. The headlines from the past week or so: Republican and former Congressman John Kasich took his first official step toward a challenge of. Ted Strickland and a new poll shows either Democrat Lee Fisher or Jennifer Bruner would beat Republicans Rob Portman or Mary Taylor in a hypothetical U.S. Senate race. Michael Miller, Republicans, are they excited or are they relieved that John Kasich is starting his campaign for governor? Well, probably both for the, for the same reason. And uh, it looks like he is in, and uh, I don't foresee any sort of a primary. Uh, he'll be there. Uh, and I think they feel he has a he truly has a good chance because of uh, a, a variety of reasons. Um, but I don't think these polls really mean anything. Any of them. It's too early now. Mm -hmm. We've got a year and a half to the election. A year and a half before the last gubernatorial election. I don't imagine too many people knew the current governor, other than the district he represented and so forth. Uh, so who's ahead and so forth, and who's and the same thing with the U.S. Senate races. I don't think they really mean much right now. But I think the Republicans are happy to have. To believe that John Kasich is going to be the uh, the candidate, and then we'll see where the other ones fall in. Well, Kasich keeps getting all the ink, but I mean this recent Quinnipiac That's poll, right. which is independent, uh, it shows that you know they asked Republicans, well, who do you want to be your nominee? And uh, Mike DeWine, the yeah. former U.S. Senator, he he gets thirty five percent, Kasich only twenty three percent. So. Um, well, I don't know. I think better known, Bill. Yeah, obviously. that's right. That's and, true. And, yeah, and that's what these polls reflect. I think, uh, you know, Fisher, Bruner, that, that, that that's just name recognition. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I guess Mike DeWine could run for governor and, and maybe win a primary. I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I would think that he will probably run for. Uh, if I had to pick a slot, I'd say attorney general. But, yep. I, but I don't know that. You know, the Bill's companion numbers to those polls, and it was done on May fourth. Uh, says that Kasich would lose 51-32. Um, DeWine would lose 48-32 sure. at this point. Um, I, I think both parties, when you look off the way, don't want a primary. Nobody wants a primary because you burn too much money. And in this economic situation, but I, I'm surprised, and we spoke a little earlier, I don't know if it's a generational thing. I was surprised as Kasich John Kasich. Uh, low numbers, given his prominence in the state and his prominence in the House of Representatives. I, I think he's right. well known in central Ohio. That's he was it. a congressman here. He's on Fox News, but you get up in the far northwestern part of the state or even southwestern part of the state, he's probably got some work to do. Yeah, he has been, been working hard, though. But he's been out of politics for yeah. 20 yeah. years. This poll showed 70% of Ohioans say they haven't heard enough about Kasich to form an opinion. Mm -hmm. 
awfully high well, percentage. But you're right. You're right about Strickland. They probably would have said the same thing about yeah, Strickland a few and, years and, ago. And a little more currently, where were we in uh, a year and a half before the presidential election? Uh, can Barack Obama beat so and so? Yeah. I don't think yeah. he's going to be very high on the charts. Remember, Hillary I was mean, way ahead. Uh, yes, she had point. won this thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, this is uh, this is so far in advance. It's just I don't. I think it's really meaningless. Real quick, Julie. Jennifer Bruner, Lee Fisher, still pretty close in the in the polls. Fisher has a slight lead. It's is early, but it do is. you see that enough to convince one of the, one of them to drop out? I don't think so. I think the uh, fundraising battle is where where both those campaigns are are looking right now. Try to figure out if they can, uh, you know, prove that that Jennifer has the same power in terms of donors and. Uh, yeah, the financial reports didn't support that they are the same. It's a million <laughs> versus what two hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. Let's get to our weekly off the record comments from our panel. Some final thoughts, predictions for the weeks ahead. Bill Cohen, you're up first. Just a, a history reminder. This is usually the stage in a recession where, after a governor has cut spending two or three times and tax revenue is still tanking, this is where proposals for tax increases finally get some traction. Rhodes, Celeste, Taft, Voinovich—they all helped raise taxes. Uh, I know a major tax hike right now is still a long shot, but I would just predict to hear a revival of talk about maybe not a major tax hike, but bits and pieces like let's spread the sales tax to services, let's delay an income tax cut for the rich, let's hike uh, the tax on tobacco other than cigarettes, something like that. Okay, Julie. Um, I think another intriguing proposal that that may gr gain some traction is drilling. We've got a bill for drilling in state parks. We've got drilling in Lake Erie still looming. Gas. And I think that that could be a big uh, discussion as we look at the revenue issue. Sam. Cavaliers make the finals. Against Lakers? I'm, I don't care. Come on, are they going to win it all? <laughs> That's an easy pick. Are they going to win it all? <laughs> I'm not there yet. All right. <laughs> Michael. I predict there's going to be, um, I'm reading a wonderful book now that I think is going to sell some copies in the future. It was just written last year called The Candy Bombers, and it is a history of the Berlin airlift. And it's absolutely fascinating, and I think once it becomes a little well-known or a little better known, people are going to buy it and, and really enjoy it. It's a great study of the, the late 40s. All right. That is Columbus on the Record for this week. You can continue this conversation at our website. Our question this week, would you support slot machines if they prevented a tax increase? That's at our website, wosu.org slash cotr. For our crew here at WOSU at COSI and for our panel, I'm Mike Thompson. Have a good week. <laughs>